You're listening to On The Line, the interview podcast from entertainment.ie. Hi, how you doing? This is uh, Brian Lloyd, Movies Editor at Entertainment.ie. You're listening to On The Line. Uh, Today's interview is with Jay Trangisakar, who is the director and one of the stars of Super Troopers 2. Um, Jay Trangisakar has had a pretty interesting career since... uh, you know, the success of Super Troopers, uh, however many years ago. He's really gone in further into uh, TV directing. He directed a good few episodes of Arrested Development. He directed a few episodes of Community. He worked on this uh, TV show with Rob Lowe called The Grinder. Um, he also directed Dukes of Hazard, uh, Club Dread. Had a very, I mean, very kind of stuck, I guess, not stuck is the right word, but very much kind of focused around comedy. Um, so we talked a lot about, I guess, really Super Troopers too, and the fact that, you know, this movie was however many years in the making, the kind of, I guess, the weight of expectation, you know, that sort of way, because Super Troopers was such a, I mean, it was a real cult hit, you know, that kind of way, it was one of those movies, I think, that, like, everyone, anyone who saw it was immediately converted, you know, that sort of way, it's the kind of thing of, like, you would watch it and you'd be like, oh my god, you gotta watch this I'll give you the DVD, and of course this was back when, you know, nobody was on Netflix or whatever. But, um, yeah, it was an interesting chat, and uh, Super Troopers 2 is now in Irish cinemas, and, uh, yeah, check it out. Jay, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, can you hear me okay? I can hear you well, are you having trouble hearing me? Oh no, it's probably just my line. So, uh, so how are things? Happy, you know, enjoying a nice sunny California day. Okay, so the first question, I remember there was talk um, of there being a, a prequel um, to the first Super Troopers, but I suppose my question is, is I, I mean, you know, the, the, the time, I mean, I suppose, why you come back to it after, after so long? Well, I guess because I felt like, um, if you look at Law & Order, or you look at uh, NYPD Blue, like those guys, they made 250 to 300 episodes of those shows. And I thought, you know, we can make another one of these. We just have to focus on making this individual story work. So it's like a cop story, same characters. And once we had a really clear story and a clear outline and clear, you know, we wrote several drafts of the script. Only then did we go back and sort of paint in references to the first movie because we didn't want to make a movie that only existed to reflect on the first film. We wanted to make its own different story. I mean, I think we can make, you know, four or five of these things. I think all it is is it's just a cop story. Imagine it's like a, you know, how many episodes of, uh, of, of your favorite cop show, television show have you seen? Hundreds, you know, so. And, you know, once you, we, we kind of had a sense of what worked about the first movie, which is like, we tried to make very smart, like, quick rhythm, unpredictable jokes. That's sort of the, that was sort of the goal. And we, you know, we kind of knew how to do that again. And so, you know, once we, we shaved the crew cuts and grew the mustaches, I told everybody, I said, we have to weigh the same as we did in the first film because I don't want people, I want people to have a soft landing so that when they look at the film, they'll say, yeah, yeah, they look older, but they don't look fatter and older, you know? So it was, 
there's a, a lot of thought went into, into like making sure that they were the two films could sit side by side. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned cop shows because I always thought that Super Troopers, when I was watching it on DVD all those years ago, I mean, I always thought it kind of could work in a sort of TV format. Like, I mean, you know, you look at something like The Naked Gun and Police Squad, I mean, I know that's kind of the other way around, but, like, I mean, did you... After you made Super Troopers, Super Troopers I mean, did you consider it being a TV show or was it a case of, no, we, you know, it's a movie, we make movies? I think we always felt this is a movie and we make movies, but I think we figured out an idea where we could possibly do both. Uh, and so if everything goes well, there's a chance that we'll be able to kind of like sort of, you know, exist in both worlds. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. There's a lot of conversation and a lot of stories that have to sort of be worked out before we do that. But that's it is it is still a discussion. Can we make this work on both platforms? Because we want to continue to make we want to continue to make these movies. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess um, you know your background in TV would be a big help too. Yeah, I mean, I, I've directed 110 episodes of television. I understand how television works. Uh, uh, and so I, I, I think there's a chance I'd, I'd like to do that. Okay, one question I have to ask, and this is something that's bugged me literally. I've always been curious, but I mean, especially now I've seen the second one. Brian Cox, I mean, I mean, where did that happen? Like, or how did that happen? I should say. Well, you know, Brian is always when he started acting, he thought he was going to be the next Jerry Lewis. Like that was his his taste was broad comedy. And he kept getting cast in these dramatic roles. So when this came across his agent's desk, his agent called up and said, Brian wants to be in this movie. And I'm like, Brian Cox? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, well, then he can be. Because we were just happy to have like a phenomenal actor in this film. I mean, my God, are you kidding? And so, you know, and I talked to him about it. And he goes, yeah, I always, I always thought I'd be a comedian. And uh, nobody ever lets me and and. He obviously he was in the movie Rushmore and he was terrific in that. Uh, but we we you know we took a chance and and Brian understands rhythm you know he understands how to how to fit in and how to be funny so we're, we're really grateful. Yeah, it's funny because when I saw him, I, I just thought it was kind of like stunt casting or something. I never knew that. He told his agent Brian Comedies, and the agent called me and said, "You're not going to believe it, but Brian really wants to do your movie." I mean, with someone like him, an actor of his kind of caliber, I guess it's that thing of like, you know, when you're in a scene and you're watching them and they're being so good, I mean, you know, you can kind of, and I've heard this from other actors, is that you can kind of get kicked out of the scene because you're just kind of like caught watching them, if you know that kind of way. So I suppose, like, I mean, did that happen with him? Well, you know, the difference between dramas and comedies is dramas go at a much slower pace and comedies, you know... They, they, uh, they, they. You have to keep the pace up. You know, you have to, you have to suck all the pauses out, and only put them in in exactly the right spot. So Brian, you know, you don't, you don't get a ton of time to chew the scenery per se, right? I mean, you really gotta, you gotta, you don't get to do all that, all that sort of uh, the kind of acting I think you're talking about, which is the kind that. Um, this can be distracting, I suppose. Um, on the topic of uh, drafts, I mean, 
you know, TV is, you know, 100% deadlines. You probably know this yourself. Um, because it's just so fraught and, you you know, you've got to get it out before air and blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, on set, I mean, obviously in a movie, I mean, do you allow, did you allow for improv? Do you allow for that kind of thing? About 37 drafts of the script, right? So we, we, we wrote jokes so that you would say, if the worst thing that happens is that we shoot the joke we wrote, fine. But, you know, all the actors are used to how this rhythm works. So we basically now we, we shoot what we wrote and then I say, okay, you got three takes. If you, you know, here's another joke if you want that or if you have your own jokes, by all means. Let's, and so everybody prepares in advance and says, I'm going to do... I'm going to do the script, but then I also have these other jokes I want to try. And then if the, if the jokes that they want to try are better than the ones we have, we put them in the movie. But it's not a high improv. You know, the first movie, maybe eight lines were improvised. You know, the second movie, it's probably more like 50, 50, 60, 60 50 or 60 lines. Can I ask about expectations? Because, I mean, you know, the first one was, you know, was a cult hit. It really kind of put you on the, on the, on the, on the radar you know, everyone wanted this. I mean, obviously, like, at the you know, the Kickstarter and what have you, I mean, obviously it was a huge kind of impetus for you to make it, but, I mean, can we talk, I mean, what were your kind of, expe- what, what, you know, can we talk about expectations and what you kind of made of them? You can't, you can't make, uh, I mean, you can, look, there are people who, who make movies who get a little wrapped up in what the critics say or what the, that the audience might say. I mean, all you can really do, you know, it's, it's, it's art, right? You just, you, you, you write it, you shoot it, you cut it, and you show it to audiences, and, and you know, they're test audiences, and you let them kind of experience it for the first time, and once, you know, you can tell what an audience is going to react to by, by showing, I mean, you just show it to them, and you can see where they laugh, and you see where they don't, and see... You can talk to them after and say, what do you think of that joke? What do you think of that joke? And you can kind of, you know, you can kind of test it a little bit. But at the end of the day, you got to put it out and, you know, people pay for it and you got to put the movie out and, and live with it. You can't worry. You can't worry about it. You know, like people who worry about it probably make a lot fewer movies. You know, the ones who just say, you know, this is my job. I make movies. <laughs> And sometimes people insult me for it, and sometimes people revere me for it. That's 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 the job. I mean, did you do much testing? No, because the, the it was a hard, you know, there was a lot of expectation in the film, and you know, there was a lot of security around the film because we didn't want to, we didn't want it to, you know, it's a small movie, but it, but it, you know, the audiences were sort of eager to see it, so we didn't want people to kind of bootleg it. So we showed it basically, we showed it to 50 people, then we showed it to 100 people, and then we showed it to 500 people, and that was it. You know, like, I've been on, I've had movies where we've shown the audience, you know, probably three or four uh, big 500-person test screenings. But this was, this was, uh, we tried to, we tried to limit it as much as we could. Yeah, I guess when you're on the right track for a script, I mean, testing doesn't really come into it, does it? All you need to do when the film is working is you need to um, you need to edit it so that a laugh doesn't bury another uh, the next joke. Like so, you have to give it enough pause for that to work. Now, 
you got to remember that most of the audience is probably going to see the film. Uh, eventually, they're going to see it at home video. So the pause can't be that long, right? So you got to find a pause somewhere between what a film audience will laugh over and what a, a home audience will, you know, be when they're sitting in the room with like three people. So it's, it's, it's a real... It's a real like sort of you got to kind of like it's all timing. Everything's timing. Okay, how about Rob Lowe? I mean, what was the thinking there? I mean, well, Rob, I was you know directing his show, The Grinder, and um, and you know he he I always sort of joke with him that he's a comedian trapped in a leading man's body um, because he understands rhythm and speed that comedy needs to be delivered at, um, and so. He was just, he just, he just totally gets it. And I said to him, is there any chance you would consider being in Super Troopers 2? I said this to him on the set of The Grinder, and he said, of course, absolutely any part I'll do. Um, because, you know, he was, he was a fan of the first film. He has, his sons are like college age, so, you know, they, they probably turned him onto it, and, uh, he was excited to be a part of it. And he was great in it. You know, he just, he really, he committed to, uh, he committed to going wherever the joke was, you know? I mean, it's, it's, there was no vanity or, oh, I can't do that joke on Rob Lowe. He just said, what's the joke? Let's do it, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, look, if you've got him, if you've got him slapping a guy's dick, I mean, vanity doesn't come into it. He wanted to do the joke. I mean, I, I, I told him, you don't have to do this joke. We wrote this joke. Just a joke. We can live without the joke. And he said, we're doing the joke. He goes, of course we're doing the joke. It's a great joke. And I said, okay, thank you. Okay. Top five mustaches. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so the, 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 the mustache in Super Troopers is based on Burt Reynolds' mustache. I mean, that, that's the mustache, right? That's the one that defined, for me at least, mustaches. I mean, uh, I also loved um, Billy D. Williams' mustache. Uh, it, you know, I think his mustache is, very, is, is, a, is a really great one, and, and I, I always sort of aspire to, to, to make my characters part Billy D. Williams because I, I, I love him. Sam Elliott's mustache is terrific. I mean, that's the that that mustache in the Big Lebowski. I mean, it's it's just a glorious, glorious, glorious mustache. Uh, uh, you're, I mean, you named them all, right? You named Tom Selleck's mustache is is a uh, is a fantastic mustache. I mean, that that role wouldn't even exist without that mustache. So that's the fifth mustache. Uh, you know who has a good mustache is the guy um, on Parks and Rec. Uh, uh, you know who I'm talking about? Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. That's a hell of a mustache, that guy. That's, uh, that, I've, I've been very... Okay, let me drill down a little bit here just for a second. Okay, are we talking Smokey and the Bandit, Burt Reynolds, or are we talking Boogie Nights, uh, Burt Reynolds? Smokey and the Bandit, really. I mean, Boogie Nights, you had a goatee, uh, which is delightful, but uh, Smokey and the Bandit is the mustache. That's the one. Okay, last last question. Do you see a Super Troopers tree, yeah? We do. And I'd like to call it Super Troopers Three Winter Soldiers. I wanna I wanna break the look and make it, you know, show the audience, you know, a little something different. 
Um, so that's that's the hope. We'll just create like a cinematic universe. Yeah, why not? You know, why not? We got something good. We're, we're going to try it. We're going to keep doing it. So that was my interview with uh, Jay Tranger Sakar. Uh, like I said, Super Troopers 2 is now in Irish cinemas, and we will have more interviews in the coming weeks.